Section eight of the Book of Sir Marco Polo, the Venetian, concerning the kingdoms and marvels of the East, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Book of Sir Marco Polo, the Venetian concerning the kingdoms and marvels of the east volume two by rusticello da pisa translated by henry yule book second part three chapters seventy three to seventy six chapter seventy three of the city of ching fu ching fu is a city of manzi the people are idolaters and subject to the great khan and have paper money and live by handicrafts and trade they have plenty of silk from which they make sundry kinds of stuffs of silk and gold there are great and wealthy merchants in the place plenty of game is to be had and of all kinds of victual there are in this city two churches of nestorian christians which were established in the year of our lord 1278 and i will tell you how that happened you see in the year just named the great khan sent a baron of his own whose name was marsagis an Estorian christian to be governor of this city for three years and during the three years that he abode there he caused these two christian churches to be built and since then there they are but before his time there was no church neither were there any christians chapter seventy four of the city of Chinginju and the slaughter of certain Alans there. Leaving the city of, of Chingyan Fu and travelling three days southeast through a constant succession of busy and thriving towns and villages, you arrive at the great and noble city of Chinginju. The people are idolaters, use paper money, and are subject to the great Khan. They live by trade and handicrafts, and they have plenty of silk. They have also abundance of game, and of all manner of victuals, for it is a most productive territory. Now I must tell you of an evil deed that was done once upon a time by the people of this city, and how dearly they paid for it. You see, at the time of the conquest of the great province of Manzi, when Bayan was in command, he sent a company of his troops consisting of a people called Alans, who are Christians, to take this city. They took it accordingly, and when they had made their way in, they lighted upon some good wine. Of this they drank, until they were all drunk. And then they lay down and slept, like so many swine. So when night fell, the townspeople, seeing that they were all dead drunk, fell upon them and slew them all not a man escaped and when bayan heard that the townspeople had thus treacherously slain his men he sent another admiral of his with a great force and stormed the city and put the whole of the inhabitants to the sword not a man of them escaped death and thus the whole population of that city was exterminated now we will go on and I will tell you of another city called Suju. Chapter 75 Of the Noble City of Suju Suju is a very great and noble city, 
the people are idolaters subjects of the great khan and have paper money they possess silk in great quantities from which they make gold brocade and other stuffs and they live by their manufactures and trade the city is passing great and has a circuit of some sixty miles it hath merchants of great wealth and an incalculable number of people indeed if the men of this city and the rest of manzi had but the spirit of soldiers they would conquer the world but they are no soldiers at all only accomplished traders and most skilful craftsmen there are also in this city many philosophers and leeches diligent students of nature and you must know that in this city there are six thousand bridges all of stone and so lofty that a galley or even two galleys at once could pass underneath one of them in the mountains belonging to this city rhubarb and ginger grow in great abundance insomuch that you may get some forty pounds of excellent fresh ginger for a venice groat and the city has sixteen other great trading cities under its rule the name of the city suju signifies in our tongue earth and that of another near it of which we shall speak presently called kinsei signifies heaven and these names are given because of the great splendor of the two cities now let us quit suju and go on to another which is called vuju one day's journey distant it is a great and fine city rife with trade and manufactures but as there is nothing more to say of it we shall go on and i will tell you of another greater noble city called vugin the people are idolaters etc and possess much silk and other merchandise and they are expert traders and craftsmen let us now quit vugin and tell you of another city called changan a great and rich place the people are idolaters etc and they live by trade and manufactures they make great quantities of sendal of different kinds and they have much game in the neighborhood there is however nothing more to say about the place so we shall now proceed chapter seventy six description of the great city of kinsay which is the capital of the whole country of manzi when you have left the city of changan and have travelled for three days through a splendid country passing a number of towns and villages you arrive at the most noble city of kinsay a name which is as much to say in our tongue the city of heaven as i told you before and since we have got thither i will enter into particulars about its magnificence and these are well worth the telling for the city is beyond dispute the finest and the noblest in the world in this we shall speak according to the written statement which the queen of this realm sent to bayan the conqueror of the country for transmission to the great khan in order that he might be aware of the surpassing grandeur of the city and might be moved to save it from destruction or injury i will tell you all the truth as it was set down in that document for truth it was as the said messer marco polo at a later date was able to witness with his own eyes and now we shall rehearse those particulars first and foremost then the document stated the city of kinsay to be so great that it hath a hundred miles of compass and there are in it twelve thousand bridges of stone 
for the most part so lofty that a great fleet could pass beneath them and let no man marvel that there are so many bridges for you see the whole city stands as it were in the water and surrounded by water so that a great many bridges are required to give free passage about it and though the bridges be so high the approaches are so well contrived that carts and horses do cross them the document aforesaid also went on to state that there were in this city twelve guilds of the different crafts and that each guild had twelve thousand houses in the occupation of its workmen each of these houses contains at least twelve men while some contain twenty and some forty not that these are all masters but inclusive of the journeymen who work under the masters and yet all the craftsmen had full occupation for many other cities of the kingdom are supplied from this city with what they require the document aforesaid also stated that the number and wealth of the merchants and the amount of goods that passed through their hands was so enormous that no man could form a just estimate thereof and i should have told you with regard to those masters of the different crafts who are at the head of such houses as i have mentioned that neither they nor their wives ever touch a piece of work with their own hands but live as nicely and delicately as if they were kings and queens the wives indeed are most dainty and angelical creatures moreover it was an ordinance laid down by the king that every man should follow his father's business and no other no matter if he possessed one hundred thousand bezants inside the city there is a lake which has a compass of some thirty miles and all round it are erected beautiful palaces and mansions of the richest and most exquisite structure that you can imagine belonging to the nobles of the city there are also on its shores many abbeys and churches of the idolaters in the middle of the lake are two islands on each of which stands a rich beautiful and spacious edifice furnished in such style as to seem fit for the palace of an emperor and when any one of the citizens desired to hold a marriage feast or to give any other entertainment it used to be done at one of these palaces and everything would be found there ready to order such as silver plate trenchers and dishes napkins and tablecloths and whatever else was needful the king made this provision for the gratification of his people and the place was open to every one who desired to give an entertainment sometimes there would be at these palaces a hundred different parties some holding a banquet others celebrating a wedding and yet all would find good accommodation in the different apartments and pavilions and that in so well ordered a manner that one party was never in the way of another the houses of the city are provided with lofty towers of stone in which articles of value are stored for fear of fire for most of the houses themselves are of timber and fires are very frequent in the city the people are idolaters and since they were conquered by the great khan they use paper money both men and women are fair and comely and for the most part clothe themselves in silk so vast is the supply of that material both from the whole district of kinsay and from the imports by traders from other provinces and you must know they eat every kind of flesh even that of dogs and other unclean beasts 
which nothing would induce a Christian to eat. Since the great Khan occupied the city, he has ordained that each of the 12,000 bridges should be provided with a guard of 10 men, in case of any disturbance, or of any being so rash as to plot treason or insurrection against him. Each guard is provided with a hollow instrument of wood, and with a metal basin, and with a timekeeper to enable them to know the hour of the day or night. And so when one hour of the night is past, the sentry strikes one on the wooden instrument and on his basin, so that the whole quarter of the city is made aware that one hour of the night is gone. At the second hour he gives two strokes, and so on, keeping always wide awake and on the lookout. In the morning again, from the sunrise, they begin to count anew, and strike one hour as they did in the night, and so on, hour after hour. Part of the watch patrols the quarter, to see if any light or fire is burning after the lawful hours. If they find any, they mark the door, and in the morning the owner is summoned before the magistrates, and unless he can plead a good excuse, he is punished. Also, if they find anyone going about the streets at unlawful hours, they arrest him, and in the morning they bring him before the magistrates. Likewise, if in the daytime they find any poor cripple unable to work for his livelihood, they take him to one of the hospitals, of which there are many, founded by the ancient kings and endowed with great revenues. Or if he is capable of work, they oblige him to take up some trade. If they see that any house has caught fire, they immediately beat upon that wooden instrument to give the alarm, and this brings together the watchmen from the other bridges to help to extinguish it, and to save the goods of the merchants and others, either by removing them to the towers above mentioned, or by putting them in boats and transporting them to the islands in the lake. For no citizen dares leave his house at night, or to come near the fire. Only those who own the property, and those watchmen who flock to help, of whom there shall come one or two thousand at the least. Moreover, within the city there is an eminence on which stands a tower, and at the top of the tower is hung a slab of wood. Whenever fire or any other alarm breaks out in the city, a man who stands there with a mallet in his hand beats upon the slab, making a noise that is heard to a great distance. And when the blows upon this slab are heard, everybody is aware that fire has broken out, or that there is some other cause of alarm. The Khan watches this city with especial diligence, because it forms the head of all Manzi, and because he has an immense revenue from the duties levied on the transactions of trade therein, the amount of which is such that no one would credit it on mere hearsay. All the streets of the city are paved with stone or brick, as indeed are all the highways throughout Manzi, so that you ride and travel in every direction without inconvenience. Were it not for this pavement, you could not do so, for the country is very low and flat, and after rain, tis deep in mire and water. But as the great Khan's couriers could not gallop their horses over the pavement, the side of the road is left unpaved for their convenience. The pavement of the main street of the city also is laid out in two parallel ways of ten paces in width on either side, leaving a space in the middle laid with fine gravel, 
under which are vaulted drains which convey the rainwater into the canals and thus the road is kept ever dry you must know also that the city of kinsay has some three thousand baths the water of which is supplied by springs they are hot baths and the people take great delight in them frequenting them several times a month for they are very cleanly in their persons they are the finest and largest baths in the world large enough for one hundred persons to bathe together and the ocean sea comes within twenty-five miles of the city at a place called ganfu and there is a town and an excellent haven with a vast amount of shipping which is engaged in the traffic to and from india and other foreign parts exporting and importing many kinds of wares by which the city benefits and a great river flows from the city of kinsay to that sea haven by which vessels can come up to the city itself this river extends also to other places further inland know also that the great khan hath distributed the territory of manzi into nine parts which he hath constituted into nine kingdoms to each of these kingdoms a king is appointed who is subordinate to the great khan and every year renders the accounts of his kingdom to the fiscal office at the capital this city of kinsay is the seat of one of these kings who rules over one hundred and forty great and wealthy cities for in the whole of this vast country of manzi there are more than twelve hundred great and wealthy cities without counting the towns and villages which are in great numbers and you may receive it for certain that in each of those twelve hundred cities the great khan has a garrison and that the smallest of such garrisons mustered one thousand men whilst there are some of ten thousand twenty thousand and thirty thousand so that the total number of troops is something scarcely calculable the troops forming these garrisons are not all tartars many are from the province of cathay and good soldiers too but you must not suppose that they are by any means all of them cavalry a very large proportion of them are foot soldiers according to the special requirements of each city and all of them belong to the army of the great khan i repeat that everything appertaining to this city is on so vast a scale and the great khan's yearly revenue therefrom are so immense that it is not easy even to put it in writing and it seems past belief to one who merely hears it told but i will write it down for you first however i must mention another thing the people of this country have a custom that as soon as a child is born they write down the day and hour and the planet and sign under which its birth has taken place so that every one among them knows the day of his birth and when any one intends a journey he goes to the astrologers and gives the particulars of his nativity in order to learn whether he shall have good luck or no sometimes they will say no and in that case the journey is put off till such day as the astrologer may recommend these astrologers are very skilful at their business and often their words come to pass so that the people have great faith in them they burn the bodies of the dead and when any one dies the friends and relations make a great mourning for the deceased and clothe themselves in hempen garments and follow the corpse playing on a variety of instruments and singing hymns to their idols 
and when they come to the burning place they take representations of things cut out of parchment such as caparisoned horses male and female slaves camels armor suits of cloth of gold and money in great quantities and these things they put on the fire along with the corpse so that they are all burned with it and they tell you that the dead man shall have all these slaves and animals of which the effigies are burnt alive in flesh and blood and the money in gold at his disposal in the next world and that the instruments which they have caused to be played at his funeral and the idle hymns that have been chanted shall also be produced again to welcome him in the next world and that the idols themselves will come to do him honour furthermore there exists in this city the palace of the king who fled him who was emperor of manzi and that is the greatest palace in the world and i shall tell you more particularly for you must know its domain hath compass of ten miles all enclosed with lofty battlemented walls and inside the walls are the finest and most delectable gardens upon earth and filled too with the finest fruits there are numerous fountains in it also and lakes full of fish in the middle of the palace itself a great and splendid building in the middle is the palace itself a great and splendid building it contains twenty great and handsome halls one of which is more spacious than the rest and affords room for a vast multitude to dine it is all painted in gold with many histories and representations of beasts and birds of knights and dames and many marvellous things it forms a really magnificent spectacle for over all the walls and all the ceiling you see nothing but paintings in gold and besides these halls the palace contains one thousand large and handsome chambers all painted in gold and diverse colors moreover i must tell you that in this city there are one hundred and sixty tomans of fires or in other words one hundred and sixty tomans of houses now i shall tell you that the toman is ten thousand so that you can reckon the total as altogether one million six hundred thousand houses among which are only a number of rich palaces there is one church only belonging to the nestorian christians there is another thing i must tell you it is the custom for every burgess of this city and in fact for every description of person in it to write over his door his own name the name of his wife and those of his children his slaves and all the inmates of the house and also the number of animals that he keeps and if any one dies in the house then the name of that person is erased and if any child is born its name is added so in this way the sovereign is able to know exactly the population of the city and this is the practice also throughout all manzi and cathay and i must tell you that every hostler who keeps a hostel for travellers is bound to register their names and surnames as well as the day and month of their arrival and departure and thus the sovereign hath the means of knowing whenever it pleases him who come and go throughout his dominions and certes this is a wise order and a provident End of section 8